We're glad you're joining us today for RC Teacher Talk, a podcast focused on amplifying the educator superpowers in Royce City ISD. Listen as Angela Arledge and Lisa Pogue chat with teachers. Hey, Angela, we are back already for our third episode. I'm so excited. It's actually been fun to do this podcast. I completely agree. It's been fun just to chat um, with some teachers, get to know what they've been doing the first couple of days and weeks of school. And um, to me, it's been very inspiring. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely inspiring. Well, last episode, we kind of talked about what um, I've been doing and what Chrome Squad has been doing with Chromebooks and rollout and all that good stuff. But you have a lot going on as well. So tell us a little bit about the first coaching cycle and how that's going. Well, I have eight teachers that I am meeting with, and I have met with all eight of them for their first visit. Um, One of the way our coaching cycles work is the teachers get to pick a personal goal. They haven't actually picked their goals yet because I spend our first meetings um, getting to know them, talking to them about their challenges that they might be having in the classroom. I ask them, you know, what their vision is for their classroom. And that kind of gives me an idea of what to look for when I go to my first visit. And so I have visited with most of the teachers as far as going to the classroom visit. And the next time we meet, we'll be talking about setting their goals so we can get started on me getting some strategies for them. We have a great group of new teachers and some first year teachers, some new to Roy City. Um, So I'm excited about working with them and actually helping them get rolling on some strategies. That sounds awesome. Um, How do you go about like, does every teacher in the school get chosen? How do you go about choosing teachers uh, for each cycle? Well, I really wish I had time to coach all the teachers here at the high school. Our two middle schools are able to do that. Um, But at the high school, unfortunately, there's a lot of them and only one of me. So uh, we kind of have a formula. We start with uh, new teachers, like first year teachers, um, because they usually have a lot of questions at the beginning of the year. And then we kind of look at people new to Roy City, um, to our high school, new to Roy City High School. And then we look at teachers um, that are veteran teachers that haven't been coached yet, but have requested to be coached. So we kind of work through that for the year. Um, this year, we're trying something new to try to get more teachers coached. I'm doing some cohorts with um, like our CTE department and our special education department where I'll be meeting with them once a month. I'm not sure how that's going to look. I'm trying to wrap my, my mind around it, but I'm excited about getting to know more teachers and, you know, helping them reach a collective goal that they may be using different strategies, but all working on the same thing. So that's kind of how we work with that. That sounds awesome. And um, so how does it work? Tell me just a little bit about the cycle. So you meet with them and then you also go to their, their classroom. Yes, we operate on a meet, visit, meet cycle. So I have a meeting with them. We talk about what they want me to look for when I go in their classroom. Then I go in their classroom and I look for those things. And then we meet again and we talk about them. Sometimes I give them a little just quick tip. And one of the ones I've really been giving teachers this year is using classroom screen. So if no one has used that yet, it's a really cool tool. I mean, actually has a, I just learned yesterday and I don't know if this is new to this year, but it has a sound um, monitor. So you can set how the decibel level you want in your classroom and it will let you 
it'll let the kids know when it's too loud. So um, that's kind of cool. And then we actually work on a specific goal and that gives us more, you know, time. So, yeah, so it's kind of, it's definitely a good cycle and personalized to our coaching. So I'm excited to tell you more about, you know, some of the teachers that we have and what they're working on next time we meet. Um, but Angela, we've been back to work just a few days and you already have a sick kid. (laughs) That's kind of difficult. So tell us about sweet little Ella and what happened to you at the beginning of school. So I have three little girls, um, and they are all future bulldogs. Uh, my oldest is a fourth grader at Scott elementary. And then I have, uh, a kindergartner at Scott elementary. And then my youngest little Ella is two and she is at the bulldog learning center and believe it or not, the first day of school, I got a phone call, of course, saying that Ella was running a fever. Well, um, Sickness has been just really going around a lot this year. Um, we even took home to the pediatrician back in the summer. And um, the pediatrician was saying that RSV is in May and she's never seen it in May before. So just odd things happening. And so um, RSV was going around um in some of the classes, you know, being back and all of the germs and everything. And um, so we just kind of assumed that's what it was. And I am extremely fortunate that my mother and my grandmother live very close by. Um, and my grandmother is 88. And um, she is still just a little go-getter and incredible. And um she kept my two-year-old while she wasn't feeling well because this whole time we were thinking it was RSV. Well, a couple days later, actually almost close to a week later, it was six days later, um, she just really started feeling bad and tugging at her ears. We took her into an appointment. She had a double ear infection and she also had the dreaded COVID. So that was really scary because she had been around um, my mother and my uh, my 88 year old grandmother. Um, so and we didn't know what it was. And um, but she is on the mend and doing better. But yes, we are we are struggling through the whole COVID mess. <laughs> So we are very fortunate that your um, grandmother was able to watch her, but I know that must have been scary to know that you had exposed your 88-year-old grandmother to COVID, but you had no idea because you actually did take her to the pediatrician before you knew she had COVID, right? Yes. Yes, we did. So it was kind of crazy. Um the day after school started, um, she had a well visit appointment. And so I took her in, even though I, I knew she was running fever and things. Um, so I took her in and, but they told me that for her age, that there's not a whole lot that they would do for COVID or RSV. So they didn't actually end up testing her because her symptoms were very mild at that point. It was only a fever, Um, and so, yeah, we just kind of rolled with it thinking it was RSV and it was most definitely not. (laughs) 
what advice, Angela, would you have for teachers like you with young kids who are trying to balance, you know, being on campus, having a sick kid? You know, how do you go about making sure that um, your family still comes first? Well, I just want to tell you, um, especially going through all three kiddos, kids are going to be sick, unfortunately, when they're young and they're that age and they're in daycare or in preschool or, you know, whatever, kindergarten, they are going to get sick. So my my biggest thing that I'm going to tell you is don't feel guilty um, because there's a lot of times that I would stress over having to take days off and that's just something that you can't help. Um, so don't feel guilty. You will use all your days, unfortunately. <laughs> you won't have any left when you've got little ones, but um, save your money. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but, um, you know, just don't feel guilty and um, just also take care of yourself. You know, make sure that, um, you know, you, you're taking care of yourself in order to take care of your little ones. So um, do all those things like your, uh, we talked in episode one about vitamins and water and, and, and exercise and good sleep. All of those things are super important. So um, I just recommend you um, taking care of yourself so you can take care of your family. Um, but don't feel guilty. <laughs> Enough about my sick kiddos. I feel like I've got a sick little child every other day, but we're just going to push through it and um, hopefully be on the mend very soon. But um, let's jump in and find out a little bit more about our second guest. Our, our guest today is Anna Fisk. And she is a history teacher at Roy City High School. So Anna, tell us a little bit more about what, your, what classes you teach um, here at Roy City. So I teach Honors World History, um, which is kind of like in the middle between uh, On Level and AP, which then um, I tried to get them prepared for go at, going into the AP or the dual credit route. Um, and then I teach AP World History and AP Human Geography. That's a lot of preps. It's a lot of preps, yes. <laughs> yes, it is. How, do you, how are you handling that? Uh, well, <laughs> luckily for me, I'm a type A personality when it comes to like organization so I already have like my AP stuff already gone for the whole year so it's just tweaking it as things come up or adding things or taking things out because it doesn't work or doing those type of switcheroos and then for honors it's just kind of like revamping Uh, we're doing a lot of I'm adjusting a lot of things because of uh, kind of things that we missed last year mapping was a huge thing writing was a huge thing, so we're going to implement, or I'm going to implement um, a little bit more of that in honors to really kind of get them prepared uh, for that. It's going to be so much more easier because you're with them 100% of the time and not 40% of the time. Absolutely. So that is like one of those things I'm excited about. Um, I can't wait to see what that does for my AP scores, but I also can't wait to see the growth of my honors kids to gain that confidence that they can go beyond just an honors class. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any advice for any teachers that have multiple preps like that? Um, I mean, not yes and no, because I could say do it like me. Yeah. But it doesn't work for everybody that, you know, to do it like me. Um, it's, it's all about that consistency, right? I don't break my structure. Uh, my kids know that if they come in, it's very structured. If I go outside the structure, something's wrong and it's chaotic for me. And it just doesn't go to, to plan. So um, with teaching AP... You have to have that structure. You have to have uh, things planned out ahead of time because it's such a large 
set of content right. that the these college professors say, oh, high school can do that in that amount of time. And especially with world history, world history is rolled into like four different histories that you would take in college. So what's going to be the best? And you look at, I don't know, it's just, it's just preparation. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, you know, it's kind of like one of those things you walk into somebody's room and you're like, oh, your desk is messy. <laughs> but for them, it's not right. So you walk into my room and it's like, dang, does she even teach here? Because I don't have anything out. Like I get that all the time. Like even your closet is organized. Well, if I didn't have my closet organized, there's no way that I would be able to survive. Absolutely. But for somebody else, it's you know they have a different personality. So um, it, whatever is going to work for you, but you have to remember to breathe, right? So plan out as much as you can, and then so don't always take it home. Taking yeah. it home sometimes yeah. is more stressful than leaving it here. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's good advice. Very good advice. Um, so one of the things I just wanted to ask you about, it sounds like, especially with, um, you know, all of your different preps and stuff, like you, you bring a lot to uh, Roy City High School. So what is one of your superpowers that, that you feel like you just really stand out with? I think when I first showed up here, it was my theme song was I came in like a wrecking ball because (laughs) no like I'm coming I came from a larger school district Uh and the AP program was pretty set in place right that was it was a very large program so I came in coming in teaching like I always had Um, and so it that was very different from what I was used to and I was so used to this growth mindset and that's kind of what I put on my paper is this growth mindset and I feel like when I came here it was very fixed these yes. kids really haven't been pushed. And this is just my opinion. And this is coming from a parent side as well. Um, very few teachers push those kids beyond, oh, I just want to quit. No, you can continue. It's okay that it's hard. How are you going to get past that ceiling and break through it? And so um, I, a lot of growth mindset has come in every year that I've been here. It's been easier and easier. I get the kids on board. I get some parents on board, the community a little bit on board. So it's just kind of like one of those things that it's the growth mindset comes with um, that expectation and, you know, what do you get on your AP score? Well, you know, this year I blew them out of the water. So this year I'm not okay with the number I got, but because of COVID, you know, this year's going to be better because I get to see them for 100%. Right. So how do you, like, I would say showing those kids to have a growth mindset and not a fixed one. Not say I can't, but how can I make it better? Um, when you struggle, how do I get past that struggle? When you fail, is it really a failure or how do you learn from that failure? I love that. I love that. And how, so how do you talk to the kids about that? How do you get, because that's not an easy thing. I know the majority of your kids are freshmen, mm-hmm. right? So how... What's your trick to get them thinking like that? It's not necessarily them. It's it's me manipulating them in a sense. <laughs> I know that sounds really, really bad, but I don't ever come out and say, stop thinking that way. It's how I react to what they're saying. So like today in my AP World class, this was the first time that we actually had to sit down and summarize something, and then all of a sudden I have to read it out loud. So what I always say is, hey, this is our first time. It's not going to be perfect. Um, we're still a work in progress. We are nowhere near where we need to be. But remember, you only had so much time in class last year. And for a lot of you, you're a freshman and never had to do this before. Mm-hmm. Or if we read aloud, 
who likes to read aloud? Mm-hmm. Nobody. But what they don't realize is that helps them retain a little bit more. They're not just sitting there in silence trying to read. Uh, and then there's more discussion that comes with it. So it's the action and not the say, the telling them how to think. And you mentioned uh, parents. So how do you convince parents that that's really the best thing? I think that's the million-dollar question. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, my first set of kids that I had here, if I didn't have some of those parents kind of come, come around and say, it's not the hardness of the class is what she's teaching them. It's showing them that, Hey, dang, my kid from freshman, the beginning of my freshman year who wouldn't sit down and do homework all of a sudden second semester, they're taking it seriously. And by the end of it, they're learning how to read an AP college level book and writing an essay for it in a short amount of time. Because um, everything is timed there. And same thing for honors. Honors is a little bit more easy. You still kind of get that pushback, but AP is the biggest pushback. Um, it's okay to see them struggle. It's okay to see them cry. Like they, I love them, and I might be hard on them, but it breaks my heart when they get emotional that way. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, what I'm doing is making them a better student. And then when they go off to college, like I have kids come back to me all the time, like love me or hate me. I always tell you, you have to learn from me, and they'll come <laughs> back even if they dislike me. And because we, we sometimes just don't mesh, and they're like, I hate that you're right. <laughs> you're so right. And so I guess, you know, it's just being here long enough to show, you know, as an educator, unfortunately, you have to prove yourself. Um, not to the students. It's usually the community <laughs> and the yeah. parents that you have to prove to because you're, you know, those are their babies. And so um, it's very hard to get that fixed mindset erased and realize that what we're doing as educators for the most part, especially in the AP classes, is teaching them how to go beyond that ceiling and how to break through it. One of the things that you said that really stood out to me was, like, if a student does fail a test or an exam, um, seeing that there can be growth there, Mm -hmm. um, that's so important. And I feel like, especially in the classes that you teach, you teach a lot of Mm high-level achieving students. And so... Sometimes that failure is very hard for them to stomach. and um, But I, I think that that's so important is having them be able to push through that, well, that really wasn't a failure. This is the area that I didn't do so well in, so how can I make adjustments right. for next time? It's almost like science. You're dissecting what, you, what did I do wrong so I can fix it for the next time. Um, and that's why, like, even when we're looking at, like, say, you brought up tests, oh, my gosh, like, 40 questions in 40 minutes like for a freshman they've never even had that crunch and so what I usually what we do is we take like it's a power hour right they come in for tutoring it's required if you failed if you didn't fail if you want to just come in but for most part if you failed your test you come in and we dissect why did you get it wrong Mm -hmm. where is the like let's do process elimination 50 50 take out the two that don't match and then go from there and then dissect it. And then if you still can't find it, okay, well, let's go look at our notes and what part of the unit did we, did maybe I miss as an, edu- as an educator? Because there's sometimes I think I covered it and I basically said, hey, they're the Mongols. <laughs> you know? And then that's it, thinking yeah. that they know everything yeah, because, right. you know, of what we did outside of school and then bringing it back in. So, right. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. Well, that's kind of a good lead into our next question because you actually – talked about how you have to reflect on yourself too mm-hmm. and so what advice would you give to fellow educators so well let me ask you one question before that so just so our audience knows how long have you been teaching 
Hold on, let me do the math. <laughs> it hasn't really been that long. You'd be shocked. Uh, la, la, la. Nine years? Okay. Yes, nine years. But you've made it over that hump where some people drop out. <laughs> yes, yes. Don't usually people drop out the first year? Yeah. <laughs> I've heard yes. the first five, I yes, don't know. First five. Um, so what advice would you give fellow educators to help their students with that growth mindset or, it, or within education themselves as teaching? So one of the things that I have grown, you know, and learned about myself is it's okay to change everything. It's okay to work on everything. When I did um, with you and the, oh, what is um, the breakout is, rooms? No, not the breakout rooms. What is that whole session called for the whole semester? Pacing group? No, no. You helping me? The coaching? Yeah, coaching. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I was talking about specifically yeah, no, no. what we did. So remember when I came in and you said, what do you want to work on? And I said, what? Everything. Right? <laughs> I said everything. And you're like, no, we have to pick one thing. And I was like, no, I have to work on everything. Because at one point in time in the year, it's going to fail. Right? And so I lean on a lot. Like the one thing that I hurt myself with the first year was trying to do it all myself. And then I look back and be like, well, why was I so so successful at my old school? Well, because I leaned on everybody. I lean on Rouse, who's in biology. I lean on Dugan. This year, the whole honors freshman you know, group got together, and we were like, what are we going to do together? Because we're the only ones that are teaching these high-level kids. And so if you lean on others, it's not just in your content area mm-hmm. because we all share kids. And so how am I going to make them better? So what is student A do in your class that is different than mine? Well, why do they work in your class but not mine? Why do they give me attitude? Well, I can tell you why they give me attitude <laughs> because I get back. But those type of things. And so it's not – you're not growing by yourself. You, you're taking all of your surroundings. You're taking your community, and you're learning from that, and you're making yourself better. better. But you have to know where you're weak at. You have to know where you fail at. And if you don't and you think that you're awesome, then kudos to you because even after so many years – I look back at the year and be like, I could have done that I better. Could have done that better. Absolutely. Or man, that was a horrible unit. <laughs> Why was it so horrible? Yes. Oh, my attitude, because I don't like that unit. You know? <laughs> so it's just kind of like one of those things. It's you have to have that growth mindset and continue to look at yourself and reflect and how can I make myself better? Absolutely. Yeah, that's huge. Okay, so um kind of talking about technology is there one specific tool that you just really love to use or uh anything that you have used that's been successful in your classroom i mean if it's new i'll try it yeah i mean i'm not i'm not one to shy away from technology um i mean like there's so many like gimkit uh google earth is really good for world history um so, I mean, anything that's digitally that's going to enhance my lesson, I'll use. If it doesn't work for me, I share it out, and it might work for somebody else. Okay. So, do I have a one, my one go-to? No. Yeah. <laughs> I just have a list, and sometimes I reuse it, and if yeah. I if it's something that I want to reuse, I'll reuse. But it's yeah. all the same. <laughs> Gim kit. Yeah. You know, those yeah. are the review stuff, but, I mean. So, you mentioned Google Earth. How do you use that in your class? So we used it today for um, looking at the scale of things, um, looking at, like, so they start at their home and then they get larger as it goes out. So it kind of shows them the, of how geographers use the scale oh, on a map. that's awesome. Yeah. 
So, um, and then if it's something that's still like in existence, I'll have like world history, all world history, go to that spot so we can kind of take like a little tour. Oh yeah, especially like last year because you know we couldn't yeah. see anything. So. <laughs> but yeah, so now they actually have when they have that, it was a lot easier now that they have it on their Chromebook. Yes, because yeah. yes. it, it's not just me being like, oh look at that cool thing. So they can actually yeah, yeah they can actually physically type in these coordinates and it pulls it straight up. So that's now really you cool. learn how absolute location works because yes. I don't tell them a place I give them the coordinates to log into it oh that's cool. oh, yeah. That. yeah yeah so some of them are probably blown away by that some of them are like what is that yeah I actually have two questions um one that we hadn't we didn't tell you that we were going to ask you but then um because we we've been talking about um you know and we actually talked about this before the interview started but the trauma and stress that we've mm-hmm. that we've been under and you know from to make sure we take care of ourselves so what do you do to take care of yourself I go home and sleep no I'm just kidding no, I do go home and sleep. my husband was like why are you taking a nap in the middle of the day on the weekend I'm like I'm tired yeah. <laughs> um for the first three weeks even though I do have stuff to grade like I tell my kids hey I'm gonna we're gonna take a break like you know there's a little bit of leniency so I tell them it's like I don't jump right into things right away because if I keep putting like because I have so much to cover the little things at the beginning aren't something that's going to stress me out I want to make sure my classroom is as perfect as it can be so I go home I might go work out I might take a nap I might put a movie on um I try to just kind of leave it here the first couple weeks um because once I hit the ground running in unit one for uh, my AP world there's no leaving it at the door so I try to just kind of get everything uh just kind of relaxed at the beginning and then just run because I'm running until the end but that also helps my students in my class right because then I'm not high strung I'm not stressed I'm not like not thinking and not saying what I want to say because once it's once my brain starts going it's really hard to shut off so it's just one of those things it's relaxation you find you Right? If nap, a nap is what you need, take a nap. Who cares what your spouse says? Who cares what? No, I have older kids, so I can say, who cares what my kids want? They can drive themselves. Hey, I went home the other day, and I took a little power nap right after school, and that made a huge yes. difference. Yes. I was, like, able to function until bedtime. So. Well, my husband's like, no how judgment. can you just put, I put on my timer on my watch, 30 minutes, and I close my eyes, and I'm, and I'm like, just because I'm so tired. Yes. And I was talking to my students uh, yesterday because I could tell. And I'm like, y'all have brain fog. They're like, my brain is on overload. And I'm like, I know. I know. <laughs> I get like, you. I get you. <laughs> and I was like, and they're like, it just seems like everybody's giving us homework. I said, oh, this is just the beginning. <laughs> so, like, today I had a reset because I went home and I looked at my lesson because I knew it was a little bit lengthier. And I was like, how can I make it to where it's not? So, ugh. Yes. So, it's also thinking about who's in your classroom too because yes. if they're calm and collect you know calm cool not as stressed out like it just makes everything flow a little bit better absolutely well you obviously have a lot of great ideas and things you do in the classroom and you've already mentioned a team um and obviously part of taking care of yourself is leaning on a team and i like how you brought that up so but where do you reach out for new ideas um, for AP, there's a lot of different websites to go to, um, and so it's a lot easier. Like, so if, say you're in a specific unit and you're like, "Oh, that just did not work last year. I need to change it." Um, there's a lot of places that will do it by unit. A lot of websites. Uh, there's a Facebook group that I am that I'm on. Um, 
and if nothing else, uh, people that I've taught with before who teach, who still teach it, I'm like, hey, what did you do for this? Because I know you changed it up. Like, yeah. So it's just kind of like one of those things. It's not just within Roy City. It's if I know somebody that I work with on the outside, that I used to work with, then I lean on them too. But hey, sometimes it's right here, not even in my world history team. It's if somebody does something cool, I'm like, the kids are talking about it. I'm like, oh, let me yeah. try that. Yeah. <laughs> There's a wealth of knowledge. Uh, yeah. That's for sure. And it's ever changing. It's yeah. never the same. It is never the same. Yeah. Awesome. And as a former freshman teacher, um, I really like that y'all are getting together and talking yeah. you know, about what can we do together collectively, especially for those um, honors kids and so that we kind of all have the same expectations. And I think it was really kind of like cool that. that one of the things, even though we only saw our kids 40% of the time last year, is we really saw what 40% looks like meaning like where our kids are struggling, where they're like, they're, I hate saying the learning gap, but where there is a gap, where that confidence level hinders them from going beyond what they can. And so I think it was kind of cool because uh, to like, I talked to Rouse all the time and she was like, hey, did you talk to Dewey? And I'm like, well, I talked to her a while back. She's like, oh, she came and talked to me. And I was like, oh, we're talking? Okay, well, let's go. <laughs> you know, like, it was just kind of like one of those things that all came. It seemed like all of a sudden we all kind of needed something that was outside of our curriculum base, that we all kind of needed each other. And it was just funny how we were missing each other talking. And I was like, game on. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, let's talk. Yeah, That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> Okay, so um, kind of just to wrap up, um, we've really enjoyed the interview with you. And um, so if anybody wanted to reach out to you about some great ideas and stuff, how do they get in contact with you? What do they need to do? Well, you can just stop by my door if you're at Royce City at the high school. Um, I, I mean, shoot, stop by my door if you want, If you, even if you're at the middle school. Um, but email is fine. Um, yeah, I mean. For our listeners who might not be in Roy City, what's your email? Uh, Anna.fisk at rcisd.org. Awesome. So, good deal. Well, thank you for taking time out of your (laughs) afternoon to meet with us and talk with us. And we're looking forward to get your episode out. All right. Perfect. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome.